0: hi welcome back to project healing i'm your host Catherine ann psychic medium and intuitive healer and with me i have of course miss jenna, jenna.
1: Hi, I am Jenna Korzynski, empathic, psychic medium, and intuitive healer. Today, uh, we're super pumped because um, we have our first ever guest with us. Nike, I don't know if you know that, but you are our first guest. (laughs) Oh, wow.
2: How exciting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, so welcome, welcome. Um, And actually, I'm just going to let you intro yourself. So tell us about who you are, what you do and how people can find you.
2: Okay, yeah. I'm Nike Oria. I am an intuitive and divine feminine coach. I work a lot with divine feminine energy and goddesses, but really helping people tune back into their femininity and divinity and find a balance with this really masculine world. So that's a little bit what I do. Awesome. Can
0: I, I want to ask real quick too, what do you mean by the divine feminine? Because I think a lot of people don't really, our listening audience is definitely like a little bit woo-woo, a lot woo-woo, and then no woo-woo. So a little bit of what that means for them.
2: Yeah, divine femininity is really tapping into the attributes that, Um, the base of femininity comes from. So that's really connecting to our wound space, our sacral, chakra. Um, Everyone is a blend of femininity and masculinity, regardless of their gender or gender identity. And right now we're in a really masculine world. So I might even say toxic masculine with all the structure. Mm -hmm. And so our femininity has kind of blend in the background. That's why we have a lot of feminist issues that are going on. But slowly and slowly, um, femininity is making a comeback. And we like to tap into our divine femininity, which are characteristics. Some include like collaboration, creativity, um, humility, nurturing, things like that. Those are divine feminine qualities that can help actually combat toxic masculine um, attributes. So that's a little bit what Divine Feminine is. Uh, A lot of entities that are associated with Divine Femininity are goddesses. Um, Goddesses embody Divine Feminine attributes, and so a lot of people work with goddesses. Um, I'm actually a goddess psychic, so I really only work with feminine deities and goddesses, Um, but I'm really tapping into finding our own goddess energy or feminine energy within ourselves and using goddesses to help us with that.
0: Ooh, we won one hun- We won one 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 hundred 100%. You guys, this tongue is tied today. 100% have to have you back on the show to talk about that in and of itself. Cause that's huge. And that's something that I really need to learn more about because I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the most masculine female that I know. I just have such like force and I need to really tap into that feminine side more. So it's definitely something we're going to have to talk about. Um, but go ahead, Jenna, I will stop interrupting you. That's a lie, but I will try to stop interrupting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you're good. It's funny because as Nike, Nike, as you were talking, all I kept thinking was, okay, this is exactly why I needed to connect with you. So now <laughs> I, found, I found it. I found the reason. I knew there was a reason. Here's the reason right here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I look forward to diving deeper into that too. Um, but today we are actually going to talk about something that has been weighing on minds heavily. And I think the nations of world's minds had um, recently too heavily. Um, I can't find words either. Here we go. Um, but that is that topic is social injustice. So we brought Nike on because Catherine and I come from different backgrounds. Um, Catherine, I'll let you talk about like briefly what your background is, Catherine. So where are you from and what, what did it look like for you growing up? And then we'll talk about mine and Nike's too.
0: Yeah. The demographic I grew up in was a very rural, small town farming community where there really was no ethnic diversity at all. So everything that goes on in the world we were very much sheltered from that because it was all farm town and white people, and that was it and then there yes. were the Native American um mm-hmm. refuges and that's about it truly honestly, I think in the entire town, there were maybe three black families, and one of them was adopted by a white family, so that wasn't even like a he was he wasn't exposed to like any kind of cultural influence from his own community—it was all farmers, and you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah, it was yes, tiny. It was absolutely. quite the shock when I went to college in a bigger city and was like, "Wait, we're not all friends." <laughs> it was confusing to me. It was very <laughs> naive, but that was my reaction. I didn't know. Yes. Absolutely.
1: And- then for me, I, um, grew up in the city of Rochester, which is a very diverse city. Um, went to city schools through the fifth grade. I, uh um, am Puerto Rican and Italian so I am considered a minority but you know never like I wasn't taught that I wasn't raised that way Um, my parents just taught me to love people for people and I'm so grateful for that Um, and then in the sixth grade I changed schools and I went to a very very small suburban school and whoa was that culture shock for me because I walked in and was one of the only minorities and all of a sudden I was being looked at and judged differently for the fact that, A, I was from the city, and B, I had a Puerto Rican last name. And what is that? Um, So I've seen kind of both sides of um, the spectrum there. And Nike, how about you? What did you grow up? What was your childhood like and your demographic where you grew up?
2: yeah so my parents are actually african immigrants they're west african um but i was born here but because really all i have is like my close net of family i have a my parents and a sister those that's my family in the us so we were always very connected to the rest of our family we would always go back um, to west africa and actually france Uh, a lot of my family they moved to france because benin where my parents are from is a francophone country So um, I actually grew up in Georgia, in Atlanta, or like 30 minutes in the suburbs of Atlanta, which is pretty diverse. And um, I will say, even though it's the South, because it's the South in the history, we were very exposed to all the historical events, and race and racism was spoken about a lot. So I will say, like, I did have some racist encounters, but because there was a space open enough to speak about it, it was, to me, better than in the space I am now. Um, So Mm. I grew up in Atlanta. I went to school in Atlanta. Um, I went to university in Atlanta. And then after I graduated, my parents moved to L.A. and I moved with them. And then I decided... I couldn't live with my parents for that long, so I
0: moved. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I moved to Monterey, and specifically I worked in Salinas, California, which is a migrant community, and I was working education. Um, and Salinas is 97% Latinx, Um, so it was really interesting because even though there were a lot of people of color, there weren't a lot of black people or African American people. Um, so it's a community vastly different than the one that I was used to. But what I actually learned, especially being, um, very close to West African culture is that a lot of, there's a lot of cultural, cultural similarities between, um, specifically, the school that I was in was mostly Mexicans and um, people from Benin. We had a lot of cultural similarities, cultural food, um, even the music was quite similar. So that's why I really learned, even though there's really different places, right? You have them in different sides of the world. There's so many similarities between them. And I actually was really well integrated in the community, um, especially in my school community. And then after that, um, I moved back to L.A., and that's where I really developed my spiritual practice, and I felt really called to go to San Francisco, and I joined an education program to get my teaching credential, and it is in San Francisco where I I have experienced the most issues when it comes to race and racism which is ironic because the idea of california is that it's so progressive and inclusive and diverse um but to me because it's not spoken as much it's really hard to navigate when there is race and racism um that's going on and while the south i would say is really racist and there are parts of the south that are really, really harmful for people of color. There's also the space, because of the historical events, to speak out about it and to learn about that history. I found it really shocking when I was in Salinas, and I was talking to, I worked with um, elementary school students, kinder through fourth grade, and for Black History Month, I decided to do a mini-lesson on Martin Luther King, and none of them knew who that was. To me, that was really shocking. Yeah. Wow. And so I've really learned that my, I feel like one of my goals right now in spirituality or even in education is to go into spaces that have that guise of we are inclusive, we are diverse, and point out where they aren't. (laughs) Because that's what I spent a lot of my time doing this year um, and starting those conversations about how it's better to not have that mask on if we actually want things to progress, especially for younger people. So
0: I have a question because I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like I fall under that, to be completely honest, that we are inclusive. And I've probably said some really naive things given where I grew up thinking that we live in a world where we don't see color and everyone's equal because no one who was different was really around. So I was never exposed to any sort of racism. It wasn't even the idea that that we were turning a blind eye. It wasn't in our, in our what am I trying to say? It wasn't in our realm of existence. It wasn't in our reality mm-hmm. to be exposed to that at all. So mm-hmm. what what kind of advice do you have for people who think that they're being inclusive with good intentions, but truly aren't?
2: I think you really have to recognize what diversity is, what inclusivity is, and what both of them and how they work together looks like. A uh, Space can be diverse, right? You can bring a bunch of different people into a space, but if they're not collaborating with each other, creating with each other, or even talking with each other, then it's not inclusive at all. Um, I think the idea of wanting to be diverse is something that people strive for, but when it comes to actually how it's going to play out, a lot of the structure or the effort is lands on the people of color who are included in that space. So you see a lot of people of color taking it on to make the space inclusive. And so it's like you have to navigate a system that's already working against you and -hmm. you have to work even harder to make sure that you are included. And it's really hard to make It's really hard to make yourself included in something that doesn't seem like they want you to be a part of. And so um, it's really understanding that there's really, and this might be controversial to say, but there's really no point of diversity if there's no inclusivity. Because then you're just putting all the work on the people of color entering that space.
1: Oh, thank you for saying that. You just articulated my high school experience <laughs> to a T. So I was actually able to go I lived in the city my whole entire life in the city of Rochester, New York. I was able to go to a suburban school through a program called Urban Suburban where they take city kids with great grades and they put bus them to suburban schools, right? So it's like this great opportunity for us urban children to be able to go to these suburban schools. However, We had to abide by all of these rules. We had to stay out of trouble. We couldn't go to detention. We couldn't get bad grades. Um, We basically had to stay in line and fit inside this box that they wanted us to be inside of in order to stay at this suburban school and have this beautiful, wonderful experience. Well, I myself had, um, an experience. So I, I look white. If you look at me, I'm a white girl, right? That's what people see. Most people, when I tell them that I'm Puerto Rican, they're like, you're what? Yes, I'm Puerto Rican. Just because I don't look Puerto Rican does not mean that I do not have that descent in my blood. Okay. (laughs) So I had an experience once where I was in the office the counselor's office um to talk about something with my 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 counselor at school and i overheard the administrators in the building talking about the jungle in the cafeteria and it like caught my ear and i was like what are they talking about and they're like oh you you know, where all the urban suburban kids sit in the cafeteria, like somebody came in and asked a question and they went on about the jungle and the monkeys. And I was appalled to the point where I stood up and I started screaming. I was like, how dare you treat us this way? And they looked at me like, what, what? And then <laughs> and my parents got questioned as to whether or not I should be in the program because the administrators at the school said, well, wait a minute, you're not black. Why are you in the urban suburban program? And I'm like, hey, wait, what? <laughs> so it turned into like this whole big thing where basically we had to prove that we were Puerto Rican and that I was a mi- minority to stay in the school. I did nothing wrong except for stand up for the fact that this horrible conversation was going on with adults in my inside my high school. It was a terrible, terrible experience. But as you were talking and saying how you know, it's not really inclusive unless it's truly inclusive. Like, that's exactly what I lived. You know, it was like, oh, we're going to invite these city kids into the school and it's going to be such a wonderful program. And don't don't get me wrong, like, I work in education today because I got to go to that school. Um, it really was a great experience for me. However, on the flip side of that, I faced a lot of situations that I wouldn't have been in if I wasn't in that that program that was so great for me, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So thank you for saying that. You literally articulated exactly what I went through. Catherine's got something on her brain. I see it. What's going on?
0: (laughs) No, honestly, I'm sitting here. it's, It's really rare to see me quiet and in deep thought, I think, is what you just witnessed, because I feel like I don't have anything to contribute to this conversation right now. You guys go on record. You heard me actually say those words. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not, I'm just, I'm taken aback and I'm taking it in because I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do right now is just listen intently. There's so much for me to hear that I don't have understanding of and for thinking that I'm someone who has had some kind of understanding. I think it's really important that people just listen. If you have no idea what it's like to ever sit on the outside as if if you're just a white person just listen right now that's all I'm saying it's just I feel like I don't have any experiences that I can put up like that and that's I mean isn't that kind of at the risk of sounding like an ass or saying the wrong thing isn't that kind of what white privilege is all about I've never been exposed to anything that would make me feel different, or not included, or inferior, or looked at twice in any way whatsoever. That's been my experience to just coast through life. Is Absolutely. that am I misunderstanding I, I, that, or is that that's essentially what white privilege is, right?
1: Yeah, I mean that—that's yeah. how I understand it for sure. I don't know, like, if you have any different um, take on that.
2: Yeah. Essentially, yeah. But there's different type of privileges, right? And so I think that's why some people get kind of a defensive at the term of like, oh, well, I don't have privilege. I've had hardships in my life. Everyone has had hardship in their lives. Like I have Mm -hmm. my own privileges. I grew up in a family that does really well financially. I have financial privilege. The fact that I'm able to say that is a huge step because I'm recognizing my privilege and what other people might not have. Um, So there's different privileges in different ways, but because the structure that we're in right now is so white-centered, it's really important to see your privilege as a white person in the systems that other people of color have to navigate every single day. Right. I was having a conversation with one of my friends earlier about how they were telling me that the situation what's going on right now is really uncomfortable. And then they were asking me how I felt. And I said, oh, yes, I feel uncomfortable too. But let's to articulate it even more. I always feel this way. This this feeling doesn't necessarily ever really go away. Every time I'm stepping into a new space, whether it's a new job, if I'm going to a job interview, if I'm going to a new school, if I'm moving to a new neighborhood, I always have to double check how I'm acting, how I look, and whether it's going to be received, and how it's going to be received. So it's always a a moment of uncomfortability, for the most part, because we really have to think about how we're engaging in the systems that are in place.
0: I think that's what people don't think about. That's what gets missed so often. I read, I feel like it was was during the Baltimore riots. That's been years, hasn't it? It's been, I feel Mm -hmm. like, years since Mm -hmm. the Baltimore riots, and... Um, I remember reading an article during that time that was written by this, by a white guy who was living in a trailer park and he was explaining that his friends were saying, well, they want to talk about, they want to talk about how we have privilege. Look at how poor we are and this, that, and the other thing. And he was like, no, wait a minute. It's not about that. It's about the fact that I can pull up in the deep South to get gas without having to double check over my shoulder or I can walk, like you're saying, I can walk into a situation in a new neighborhood and no one's, I don't have to think about what I look like I'm doing there. I don't have to worry about being attacked while I'm jogging, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So I think that that's the point that I want to make about privilege is that it's not, I think people commonly associate it, like you said, there are different kinds and it's commonly associated with financial privilege. People think, oh, I'm not privileged. I don't have money. But it is. It's the privilege of us being able to walk into any environment and just feel like we can comfortably slide into it. I think that's that's Absolutely. important to acknowledge. Yeah. Um, can I what ask what we're what we're witnessing oh go ahead. As an intuitive When you're being in these, when you're in these newer situations, when you're going to an interview or you're in a position where you're uncomfortable, do you think that's heightened as someone who's intuitive and a person of color? You're able to feel that on a much different level than someone who is a person of color, but lacks that, that super fine tuned Mm -hmm. intuitive ability.
2: Yeah, I would say that's how I avoid certain situations. For example, the situation that I was in this year. Um. I knew, and I knew that I had a choice. I could either move to San Francisco and do this program or I could continue doing, finding something else. I knew it was gonna be a tough year. I didn't know how specifically, but um, my intuition definitely told me that it was gonna be a hard year for me. It was gonna be a challenge, but it would be worth it at the
1: end. Mm.
2: So um, I think in any situation that I'm in, I really listen to my intuition a lot. So that's a part of being really in tune with your femininity as well and it definitely has made my experience easier sometimes i had a situation where um i had a i came back home i had a park it was late at night i found a parking space and my neighbor who is blue lives matters um it, they have it plastered on their cars and things um told me i couldn't park on their side of the streets especially because i live in a unit that's behind so um, they I guess they didn't know I lived there because I live in an in-law unit. Um, and so I told them that I would park there because it was it's my right to park and I actually lived in the neighborhood. Um, but after and I wasn't gonna walk a mile to find parking, especially late at night Fair. with no one near me. Um right. and but something told me when I got back home that I had to move my car early the next morning. Like something, just my intuition just told me, just do it. It's going to be okay for now, but that next morning, move your car. And I actually walked this morning a mile. I parked a mile away and I walked back a mile because my intuition really was nagging at me that at that moment it was okay, but just in case the next morning, move your car because you don't want to cause issues. And that could also be a fear aspect as well. but it's also distinguishing between, like, tapping t- you ego. Well, I know I'm right, so I should have the right to do that. But also being really in tune with the physical world and saying things aren't necessarily easy. You can't manifest your way out of everything. It would be great. That's the idea. But um, realistically, for some of us, that's not possible. Absolutely. So my intuition definitely plays a part in some things like that.
1: Yeah, that's that's what's really intense about the situations that, well, a lot of us face on the day-to-day, but especially what we are all being immersed in right now, right, is we are seeing fear and division. And it just feels like the gap just keeps growing wider, right? Um, I was reading an article today um, about police brutality, and it said that 7,666 people were killed by police between 2013 and 2019, which is absolutely insane. That's, I mean, talking about social injustice, the police who are supposed to keep us safe are killing the people on our streets. Like, what is that? Um, but then to go a little bit further in that, um, African-Americans make up about 13% of American population, but are two and a half times more likely to be killed by police. Like, for lack of better words, what the fuck is that? You know, how how are we supposed to move past that? You know, we, um, people are outraged right now because there is looting and rioting and they don't understand what's going on. But I see it as people are in pain, and they don't know how else to deal with their pain. How do you interpret what's happening right now in our, in our nation, And Nike? How does it make you feel, and um, what do you think it is that people are seeking, and what is it that we need?
2: Yeah, I think it's really interesting also being a child of immigrants connected to still like I still know my tribe names. I still Mm -hmm. (laughs) like my I have my African name as my first name. It's very ingrained. Um, When I heard about the looting, I had a flashback and I think it's also connection to like ancestors of the looting that has gone on in all the other countries in the world. You think about like the museums that we pay money to go to and they have our artifacts and historical items from all over the world that were looted and they're now put behind a glass for people to look in awe of. And so I definitely saw a lot of people talking about how looting is wrong and how you shouldn't meet violence with violence. Um, And I did my own research. And a lot of things pop up about how, A, we weren't specifically talking about who was looting. Uh, People of all Mm -hmm. different demographics were looting. Yeah. Um, B, the destruction that was happening, there in different places, different people started breaking things. Um, You see some, Mm -hmm undercover cops do it thank you, you. See some people of color yes. do it you see some white supremacists do it um yep. so if we're condemning looting i think we need to address every single demographic that does it it seems that a lot of the bias is towards the protesters which i think every protest is non-violence like protests are known to be non-violence otherwise you call it a riot um, protesters were met by others with violence. Yes. People were peacefully protesting and they're getting pepper sprayed and they're getting watered on them. And I'm surprised there aren't dogs being Unleashed because let's be real, it really mimics the way that they were protesting in the 1960s. 100%. Like I'm very mm-hmm. confused on how people are quoting Martin Luther King as if they're not modern-day Martin Luther Kings that are among us right now speaking out about the atrocities that are happening. So people like to quote uh, Martin Luther King saying that riots is the voice of the oppressed. Um, But I think America has a history of if you don't shout and yell and use some form of violence, then people don't listen. It can also happen in a small scale of if you encounter racist or sexism in your workplace, for example, and you don't speak up about it. Of course, you're causing waves if you do, but if you didn't, you would be seen as peaceful and nothing would be got, get done. Um, so it's all those things manifesting into a huge blowout. And I think if people are outraged about looting, they should really evaluate if they were as outraged or even more outraged about the death that propelled all the protesting.
0: Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Truthfully, too. And you touched on this and I'm I'm glad that you brought it up because it was something I was hesitating over, but the the fact that you brought it up makes me so happy because so many people are talking about how these are protests, which you said are peaceful. Yes, and a riot is where there is violence and they're being met with tear gra- tear gas and pepper spray and all of that because why? that then incites a riot because they're reacting because you can't be bullied into a corner without having your fight or flight kick in, right? Biologically mm-hmm. it's going to happen. And it is 100%. It's, I, I think the riots are starting because people are being like attacked for their peaceful protests. They're being, they're being bullied away from making a stink and putting up a voice and, 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 whatever words aren't coming to my mouth in a very eloquent you are so articulate by the way so thank you so much
1: can i borrow that Um, (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna just we're gonna take a bow now this is now nike's podcast we are out (laughs) peace um what do you have to say
0: what what is if you could really just like hit it home, shout this from the rooftops. What is it that you feel like everybody needs to know right now? I don't like if you want to break it down for like, how do people who are not of color, how do we help? How do people who are of color, how do they help? What do we need to be doing as a community? And the fact that you have a spiritual outlook on this makes it even better because – People, I was I was Facebook stalking you before our interview, and <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Um, doing my due diligence, and I you had a really interesting post up that I I freaking loved. I um, I felt like I was gonna wake up my son going yes when I read this, but it was about how we're not all here to just transcend and breathe with light, and how you were feeling some kind of way about that, and I loved that because it was so honest. It's not just about peace and light and love and sending all of the beautiful angels up into space while we hug each other with little bubbles of joy. I mean, it's so much more than that. So what is it? What is the nitty gritty of it? What needs to happen? What do we need to do?
2: yeah i think understanding first that there no one knows the solution like there's great ideas of how to progress but there's not one concrete solution right. that i feel like people are seeking right now um and we're focusing on the wrong thing of we're thinking about too much about like okay what's the solution to make this better which would be everyone's equal and everyone's this and this is happening that's not a solution because also you have to see the history and the events that have happened before um i think a lot of it also may be especially looking from a spiritual outlook um spirituality even like the spiritual community isn't necessarily inclusive or diverse Um, I was even thinking about how I show up and even the Facebook groups I'm included in are very separate. I'm included in one Facebook group that's like general um, spirituality that happens to be a lot of white people. And then I'm in a specific group called Black Women Spirituality. And I would thought it was so interesting that Black women felt that they had to create their own space and name it in order to feel like their ideas and wisdoms could be heard and articulate. And I don't think anyone in the spiritual community is saying, like, no, we don't want inclusivity. Right. But I think sometimes there is not enough emphasis of being diversity and inclusivity, especially in the spiritual community that uses a lot of teachings from indigenous people and from people of color who did have original strides and original doctrine that we all talk about. I think it's really ironic that we really quote a lot of things from Buddhism and Hinduism, yet we don't really see those people as leaders in the spiritual community when it comes to in the American community of spirituality. Um, And that's something that's really troubling for me. It also made me think about how I show up. I don't really go to retreats that I see because I'm always afraid that my own trauma and the things that I go through as a Black woman, because that is very ingrained in my identity as I think it should be regardless of my spiritual beliefs might make other people uncomfortable. Because I will talk about race, and I will talk about the things that have transcended in my lifetime today. However, a a lot of times in spirituality, it might be met with transcending or, oh, you chose this life, so these are the lessons you're supposed to learn, so just work through it. And I would really like to see more of Co creation between people, but not only co creation, but collaboration in terms of listening and understanding and not feeling defense, defenseful, or guilty about how you can may have contributed, but also just recognizing the past actions that you may have and pushing to make it better. I don't like to see things good or just okay. I think we should always strive to make it better. And I think the spiritual community believes in so many things. Like manifestation is a huge one. And I've also seen a lot of people post about, you know, sending really good thoughts and maybe we could do a meditation and it will help change others. But I think that is the, wrong idea and the spiritual community has so much power that they can use that could help others that they're not tapping into because it might be uncomfortable and it's easier to think about how someone else in the realm in the realm some other deities, ets angels whatever you may can change it um people have been praying to god for centuries (laughs) Uh, If you study slavery, church was a huge thing in the slave communities, or I I don't even like to say slaves, in the enslaved people's communities. And um, I think prayer definitely helps, or manifestations definitely help. But you also need to put action. And it kind of taps into your femininity and your masculinity too. Femininity is all about the ideas and the hopes and dreams that you want to bring and you want to create. And masculinity is about the protection and the action to put those ideas and those situations and help them throughout the world. And so um, I would just really like to see, A, just more... open space to bring other people's perspectives and ideas and people of color in the spiritual community and be co-creating with them and listening to them and letting them speak out without trying to find a hardcore solution because no there's no hardcore solution like we have a lot to do it's going to take a long, long time.
1: Yeah, it sure is. I actually pulled, we don't usually do this, but I felt called to pull like a card for the collective before we started talking. And the card that I pulled is from my healing mantras deck. And it says, my shadow shows me where my love needs to be sent. And when you were just speaking, all I could think was like, You're right. We can't just send out love and prayer and all that into the universe. We need to use love and prayer to find inside of us what we're battling, and then go and fight it. Right? Like that's that's what we need to do, and we need to do that together. That's how we Mm -hmm. spread the love is by linking arms and saying, "Hey, Nike, you've got this idea, and I've got this idea. Catherine's got this idea," and. Then we can co-create and really make something beautiful and start to shift the world and teach our children how to shift these this thought process and um, make sure that they're, we're not leaving people on the outside because we feel uncomfortable about what they might have to say and about mm-hmm. what they, their experiences are or what their ancestors' experiences are, um, because the pain is real and the pain is within us. And um, thank you for sharing all of that because what you said, everything that you said is just so beautiful. And I'm just excited to get your word out there. Okay. That's what I have to say to you. <laughs> I love
0: too that you you brought up the divine feminine again and how it's how the, the masculine you said is more prone to action, 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 right? And the feminine is more where we get ideas of hopes and dreams to create. So if we're seeking that, if we're we're in the action phase without listening to the feminine, we're at a disconnect automatically. And being that we're, as you said, in a masculine dominant society right now, I think it's huge that we bring femininity back into it. And so, I mean, ultimately fumble, 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 holy Lord. Um, (laughs) What we're saying though, is that it's all about inclusivity. It's a slow road to get there, but it's a road where we're, we're, We're more perceptive, we're listening more, and we're collaborating in a way that allows us to look into what the hopes and dreams of creation are before we're taking action. So it's slowing down, it's listening, it's linking arms, it's creating together, and then it's pursuing action. Is that, Mm -hmm. did I get that right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Especially, it's hard to take action if it doesn't pull at your heartstrings, meaning, if you yes. know someone who's affected by it, you're more likely to take action on it. It's really easy to disengage when it's, like, those group of people. Absolutely. Or like, it's right. happening over there. Um, and one of the easiest ways to build that connection is with collaboration. It is with co-creating. Um, even COVID situation. There are some people who have they've seen a family member, sick in bed and they're like, you need to put a mask on, we cannot go out. And there's some people who are disconnected by that. They only hear the statistics, they hear different things going on, and it doesn't affect them as much as seeing someone they love suffering because it's easy to disconnect. And we can do that with so many different things. Um, And I think the thing though with race and racism is that we're all one race, we're the human race. And yes, we have different backgrounds and we have different cultures, But we're all people. And so if we could just build that connection within groups and see our similarities, just like when I moved to Salinas, I saw that even though I was a African-American woman and I had students that were Mexican, there were still so many cultural similarities and so many things that we still related to. And so if we could do that with everyone and just make that first step, it would immensely, not it might not even mentally change everything. People might be still racist, but the support that people of color would feel would increase and their mental and spiritual health would be better.
0: And that discomfort that you keep bringing up, that's, that's the opportunity for growth. That's the hard solution right Right. there. That's the answer to everything is being inclusive and listening linking arms and collaborating you Mm -hmm. you gave it that's essentially what it is it's just that it's not a connect a to b to c and that's where people get frustrated because the masculine mind right insert tab a to tab b and here we go (laughs) and it's not
1: it's Mm -hmm. so much
0: more listening and it's so it's so much more femininity and the way you talk about that it makes me even think about small things in my life that i face with such masculinity and everything is met with like it's met with opposition every time Mm. you need that feminine that that touch that and if you you guys we're we're recording where we can see nike and it's like you have this like feminine beautiful light glow about you (laughs) that is just so warm and embracing (laughs) and i just want to like go over there and I just want to hug you. I just don't you just want to cuddle her a little? Is that uncomfortable to say? I'm so sorry. You grow in the discomfort, okay?
1: <laughs> she just yeah. looks like someone you want to They'll hug. Even when quick. she's that like Catherine and I turn into stalkers real fast. We, we do. do. But you just <laughs> like
0: even as as serious as this topic is, as like as sincere as your face gets while you're talking about this, I'm just like, "Man, that's someone I got to be by." But you you it is it is that's where the growth is too it's it's finding that that finesse that softness to cut the edge on everything and that's that's what you that's what you're so special for is having that feminine guidance i love it i love it it's meeting a really Mm -hmm. abrasive and difficult and uncomfortable situation with grace and with ease and with with articulation that that i will obviously never achieve over here miss stutters trying to get five words out either Oh yeah, yeah, right. Well,
2: honestly, I'm a stutterer <laughs> too. Like, I've always been trying to work on my articulation, and it really is tapping into my femininity that has helped me. Like, it, it
0: opens nope. up it so many things. Makes it more fluid. Awesome. So Jenna and I need to lay off the masculinity. We need to stop being bossy, action driven assholes and tap in. So let's circle back <sighs> so then to to your. I was stalking your website as well. You have various services that you offer. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about those a little bit.
2: Yeah. So I do divine feminine coaching and I also do courses, especially on how to tap into your divine femininity. And the next course I have is going to be July 1st on how to integrate your divine femininity with your divine masculinity, because both are, both are important. Write it down, (laughs) write
1: it down.
0: (laughs) I'll lose it. So you can tell me later, right, Jenna? Thank you. Yep.
1: Yep. I got you, girl. I got you. Is that
0: like a couple of weeks or is that a one shot, like a webinar?
2: It's a three week um, course that we meet on Zoom, but um, also if you can't meet at the meeting time, you get the recordings afterwards to watch. Um, And a lot of my courses are bringing women together and using all the wisdom and um, experiences that they had into the course. I like to do a lot of self work and a lot of reflection in my courses. Um, And I think it would be really interesting integrating the feminine with the masculine, especially with all the books I've been reading. It's always been from the masculine uh, point of view, embracing the feminine. And I think now is the time for the feminine to embrace the masculine because the masculine for so long and toxic masculine has beaten the feminine down. And every time the feminine has got the the inkling to share its wisdom, the masculine says, it's not time for that, or we have more important things to do, or this is more important, or we don't have time. And so it's really getting that feminine to trust the masculinity more and to get back for both of them to co-create together. It's not that they have to be equal. You don't have to be 50% and 50%. It's more so you have to see how you work together. It's got to blend. yeah it has to blend um so that's my next course that I'm gonna do I'm really really excited uh to do it how do people find um, that it's on my website com. we'll put it in the Um, notes too (laughs) Yeah, you can also connect with me on Facebook. I'm also always posting things and I love making more Facebook friends and um, I'm always posting my website. So things are always there too. And I'm always updating it as well.
0: Any other social media platforms?
2: I also have my Instagram, which is Nike Aurea Intuitive. Um, I post a lot about my crystal shop, which is my creative passion. Um, I use it to fuel my creativity, actually. And I've been making crystal earrings and jewelry Um Because I think crystals have a lot of wisdom as well. And it's an easy way to have them with you instead of putting in your bra and it falling out in the middle of Trader Joe.
1: (laughs) So thank you for that. And I I just want to say that I actually just ordered from Nike's Crystal Shop. And I received um, my items really quick, by the way, super quick. I was like blown away that they came that fast. But your presentation is the best presentation that I've ever seen. Like it was so cute. She put like little star confetti in there and she wrote a little personalized note and I was so excited for my new crystals. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You, I'm excited. (laughs) You you
0: also have something going on with with a crystal box or something for donations or a surprise something, right? What was that that I tell us about that oh
2: yeah I just posted it actually I had a dream last night where I really wanted to contribute to everything that's going on and support and I didn't really know the best way to do that and so right now I'm hosting a raffle there are three boxes up for a raffle basically you can go on my website and you can donate a dollar to a hundred dollars and every dollar that you donate your name is in the raffle so if you donate ten dollars your name is in the raffle ten times and um, at the end of the week I'm going to pick three winners from the raffle and they would get sent a mystery intuitive box that has a lot of goodies you get four to six items in it plus some beautiful rose water that is homemade yes Your skin.
0: <laughs> my skin just went oh that's nice That
1: <laughs> yeah, is
2: really nice um, and then all the proceeds except for shipping and packaging costs will go to um a committee against police brutality. So um, I really only have to donate crystals. So I was trying to figure out a way how I could do that. And that is the way that I came up with. So people are also getting something too.
0: Love it. Well, we are definitely linking your Etsy shop in there as well. I will probably, if I... I'll probably fall asleep and let the phone smack me in the face after <laughs> that's really how it's going to go. And then I'll order it in the morning. But that's that's definitely how it always goes, actually. Um, it's it's my own shop therapy of got to hit you in the head before you decide if you're buying it or not. Um, that's excellent. I love that. I love everything that we talked about today. And I love that you have so many platforms to reach out on. We are definitely having you back to talk more in depth about the divine feminine without anything else like. Wound into that because I want to I want more people to understand and to have access to you and and what the divine feminine is all about, because that's something that I'm very new to understanding as well. So mm. that's exciting. And Jenna and I both need help with that.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm speak but for I you. also just want to thank you for just hopping right in um. This was a tough topic to talk about, I think, for everybody, and you handled it with such grace and eloquence, and thank you, because if you weren't here, we would have just been a hot mess, so <laughs> I really appreciate you like every coming in to, to help us along, yes, like every other week.
2: <laughs> well, thank you so yeah. much for having me.
1: Me, I'm so
2: glad that you open up the space to have this conversation. Like that is a huge step in its own.
0: That's what Project Healing is all about: seeking understanding, seeking to be under. What is? Oh my God! This is what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> <We've->
0: <laughs> we need to seek to understand before we seek to be understood. Whoa. Um- <laughs> (laughs) Thank you for that. Um, I do want to touch really quickly on a separate quick topic that Jenna and I have released two more Patreon levels. We have one for $40 a month that is a healing Reiki session, a half hour session with either Jenna or myself, and then a monthly reading for $60 for a 45 minute. So it's it's greatly discounted from both of us. Um, We will be rotating who's doing Reiki and who's doing readings each month. And then we still have our $10 Tier, which is a group psychic medium ses- session sausage sausage i'm hungry i'm so sorry session for ten dollars a month oh my god no one let me talk anymore so thank you nike thank you jenna for arranging this and nike for coming on here and we will see you all next time on project healing bye